Hi, I'm Dr. Jillian Murphy, a naturopath, healthy-ish lifestyle architect, body joy seeker, and French fry activist. And you're listening to 100% healthy-ish. Here's the thing. As a naturopath and an intuitive eating health at every size health coach, I have seen every angle and end of the health conversation. And after years of clinical and coaching experience, I've developed a framework for feeling good and having fun that I know you're gonna love. To be healthy-ish, we move beyond the boring basics and consider some ish you have never thought of before when it comes to your health. Are you ready? It's gonna be fun. Let's go. Oh my gosh. I just finished recording this podcast with Sarah Jenks. Oh, like just a couple of hours ago, I feel very activated, very excited. I think that this podcast is going to spark a lot of conversation in the community. And I think that that's an incredible thing. We are diving really deep into sacred health today. And we talk about bodies and we talk about food and a little bit about detoxing. And so if these are areas that feel too sensitive for you, I'm just going to offer up, maybe this isn't quite the right time for you to listen to this. If it feels too, too sensitive, too triggery for you. But if you are on the fence, if you're not sure, I encourage you to lean in and listen to the conversation because that is what this process is all about. It's about leaning into things that might feel new and different. We have been very stuck in an all or nothing divisive, you're in this camp or that camp conversation for a long time. And getting out of that paradigm, getting into a space where you are allowed to fully explore what is correct for you also involves and includes being open to hearing about the health journey and the body journeys of others and what is landing for them and what is allowing them to feel their best. And we, of course, can always go into these conversations with that critical thinking cap on and that discernment, knowing what is right for us and what is not right for us in any given time. But I think that we need to shake, we need to shake shit up, honestly. And so I encourage you just to go into this conversation, specifically tuning into what activates you, what feels difficult for you, what inspires you. I mean, Sarah's health journey is so interesting. And this sacred angle of infusing the way that we approach our health practices and our bodies with meaning and purpose and intention. It's just very unique and different. And whether it's 100% right for you or not, I want you to allow it to crack you open and to shift the way that you are thinking about your body, specifically and particularly if you are stuck in a space where in order to accept your body and to make peace with food, you've had to ignore your body to a certain extent up until this point. If you have been in that space, this may crack you open a little. Um, so let me introduce you to Sarah though, <laughs> before we get going, because I just dove right in. Um, I was very aware through that conversation about the things that I thought would be through this conversation, the things that I felt would be 
super inspiring and eye-opening and, and paradigm shifting for the community. And I was also very aware of some of the things that might be sensitive for people. So I just jumped right in on that. But Sarah's incredible. She is a priestess and founder of a global sacred feminine temple. Her sacred practice and teachings weave together the mysteries of ancient Avalon, earth-based practices of her Celtic and Germanic ancestry, the feminine path of Mary Magdalene, and the ancient Egyptian practices of anointing. Sarah offers live experiences, courses, and community that are grounded in the unveiling of your true power and mission so that you can create the life that you're meant to live. And what she does really beautifully is, is weave together the sacred with the day-to-day and a very grounded kind of funny approach to all of this. And I think that that comes through in this conversation. Tune in, take all the goodness that you can from this conversation, allow it to crack you open and then come on over to food freedom, body love on Instagram. And let me know what lands, what you think, what comes up for you. I'm so excited for you to tune into this conversation. I am here with Sarah Jenks, someone who I have followed for a very long time. I'm so glad to meet sort of in real life. Yeah, it's <laughs> real life. This is real yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> and um, today we're going to talk about sacred health. I think that this is something that is often probably misunderstood when people are mm-hmm. first introduced to it and or overlooked when it comes to our magical formula for feeling good in our own bodies. So that's why I brought Sarah here. Cause Sarah's just like the, I was going to say the queen, but like the priestess of Aww. sacred health work. Right. Thank you. Um, but first, why don't you, Sarah, do you want to just tell us a little bit about you and who you are and yeah. the work you've done? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just to give everyone a little context, we'll go way back. I, was I started becoming bigger than the other kids in my class. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, when I was around nine or 10 years old and I was very quickly infiltrated with the idea that I was wrong and that something was wrong with me. And that the thing that was wrong with me was that I had no willpower And so what started happening was probably looking back, it was either sort of a normal growth spurt or I was ingesting too many toxins. So that's something that we can talk about today. And then I got so stressed about that and other things in my life that I started eating in secret. Mm -hmm. And so what was actually an early childhood anxiety issue was labeled as me not having willpower. And so I then spent the next, you know, 15 years of my life going on and off diets and really believing that if I just lost 10 to 20 pounds, then my entire life would be better. And we all know this story. So when I was in my mid twenties, I got really tired of being on this, um, binge diet cycle. And I decided to get off of it and just start living my life. 
And I finally took, I went back into taking voice lessons. I started going to dance class. I decided to just focus on my life being more fun and my eating started to change. And I was like, what is happening here? And so I did some digging to really start to understand the emotions behind eating. And that's when I started learning from Janine Roth and I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and I really started learning about emotional eating Mm -hmm. and from that learning and really from healing my emotional eating, I, I lost a bunch of weight. I totally turned my life around. Everything started changing. I ended up starting a business first. I think like my first business was actually called advertising wellness. Cause I worked in advertising before <laughs> I left and I was like, Oh, I'll just like help advertising executives. I didn't get any clients from that because I <laughs> didn't really like it. And then I got engaged and then I decided to help brides lose weight for their wedding from an emotional eating perspective. And then of course, when I, after I got married, I was done with that because I didn't want to work with brides anymore. And I started this company that became very successful called live more way less. And that is what I did for many years. And it was all around emotional eating and it was really successful. And then I had babies. And (laughs) right around the time I was having babies, I was also discovering my spiritual practice and my spiritual path. And it turns out, um, I sort of walked in on a ceremony that was done the night before at my therapist's house. And I had this full body sort of like past life remembering of being in ceremony. And that started me on a 10 year path to being an ordained priestess, which is what I, which is what happened this summer. But through this process, I started to wonder if I needed a body at all was sort of the, where I hit for a while where I was in this place of like, well, it's fine. I, you know, I just sort of, I really went there with the, bo- the body positive um, idea that I'm beautiful no matter what, it doesn't matter what my body looks like. And, you know, and I just was so connected to source and the goddess that I was like getting enough, like good stuff in my life that I sort of felt like, you know, who cares mm-hmm. if I don't like totally love what I look like. But then, and I sort of was like in this place for a while and I was talking a lot about like how to have your body be your home and to work on your sensuality and all this stuff. But the truth was that I was getting headaches four or five times a day. I was exhausted by two o'clock in the afternoon. I was having crazy digestion problems and I was feeling really down and depressed. Mm. And what I realized, well, so then what happened was I got extremely sick with Lyme and it put me in the hospital with a complete heart block. And I had to get IV antibiotics for seven days. And I knew just from like watching friends that I did not want to have chronic Lyme. And I knew that being on IV antibiotics for seven days was going to be a complete nightmare for my gut. So I ended up working with this amazing company called Detox Rejuvenation. And it's this team, Sinclair and Michael, who I got in touch with. And 
they said that 95% of people who have Lyme actually have mold toxicity and parasites. Mm -hmm. And so I did a panel and turns out I am filled with toxins. I have mold toxicity through the roof. It is very clear that I have parasites. I have like high levels of gasoline in my body and mercury and like all this stuff. And what was happening was that my, my body just wasn't detoxing at all. And I realized in that moment, oh my God, my body is actually not about what I look like. It is so important that my body functions. And because I had been caught everybody and just alive in a culture where women are only told your, your body's only function is what it looks like then, or if you're in the body positive movement, it's just, it doesn't matter what your body looks like. It's the same conversation. Yeah. That idea of like, it only matters what it looks like and, or neutralizing your feelings about what it looks like. Right. And there's this like disconnection, which I think I have felt, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm shifting ever so slightly in my work or or actually not so slightly because I feel like I want to, how do we talk about how we actually feel in our body? Yes. Without like, without those things being so connected. Exactly. And, but here's the thing I want to, I want to talk about how they are actually connected in a little bit, but what I realized was how my, how I feel living in my body is so important and how my body functions is so important, especially for the work that I'm here to do. Because if I only have energy for like two hours a day, my soul's work is not getting out into the world. Like I need to be available physically for the work that I'm here to do. So, but then what I realized as I was going through this detox protocol with Sinclair and Michael, I had all of this resistance coming up to healing. And so then I had to go into the deep inner work around what am I afraid is going to happen when I am a healthy, strong, leaner, beautiful woman? What are all of the terrible things that I am worried people are going to say to me, people are going to project onto me, how people are going to judge me. I had to go through all that stuff because again, our culture has set up the situation that we are like on one hand told to match the cultural ideal. And on the other hand, told that if we do match the cultural ideal, everybody's going to hate us. Right. Or there's that, like, (laughs) it's like match it or completely reject and rebel against it. Even if it's cutting off your nose, despite your face. Totally. And it's like, and oftentimes it's like in the morning, we do one thing and in the afternoon, we do the other on like Wednesday, we're doing one. And then Thursday we're doing the next. And it's like not consistent because we're just like a pinball machine. Uh Uh-huh. And so just to like clarify, because I think that this is really important because this has come up in my practice for many years, which is did the resistance start to come up because your body started to change when you were doing the detox? For me, I think the resistance was always there and that the detox wasn't actually going to work until I moved through the resistance emotionally. Okay. Interesting. Cause for like it, I, I, that's so interesting. And I really want, let's like talk about that, but I just Mm want to highlight for some, because for so many women, it is really interesting. You know, some women, 
go through the work of healing their relationship with food and they stay the same size. And some people gain yeah. some weight if they've been yeah. restrictive for most of their life. Yep. And then there are some people who do lose weight. And it is an interesting thing to see the anxiety that can come with that mm-hmm. because it's like, but am I not being rebellious enough? Am I not rejecting right. that enough? Am I not right. like, there's this, it, it, like you said, there's been this, this divisiveness set up that doesn't just allow people to find their correct landing place. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. so much of that, and this is why I wanted to bring in the, like what we look like piece because our culture has set up a system where our worth is based off of how closely we match one cultural ideal. So there's like a point in space that women are taught to match, right? But the work that I do with women that I think is so important, and we can all do this for just like a minute right now. Why don't we all close our eyes while we're listening? If you're driving, don't, don't close your eyes. Um, so it's to take a minute and to imagine yourself on a deserted Island and on this deserted Island is everything you need, but no other people. And you're going to be living on this deserted Island for the next three to five years by yourself. What is the body you would like to live in during this five-year stay on a deserted island. Just feel it. Feel how your joints move. Feel how you can run. Feel what you look like. Feel what it feels like in your jaw, in your shoulders, and in your belly. What your feet feel like on the ground your posture, just notice. And just take a deep breath in and knowing you can always come back and do a longer version of this. And we can all come back to this conversation. So what I have found for a lot of women is that when we imagine spending a very long period of time with out anybody looking at us, we can actually feel what our soul body is. And I believe that that actually dovetails with our healthiest body at the same time. And everybody's soul body looks totally different. And it's okay to want to live in a body that matches our soul. But what isn't okay is the constant chase to meet a cultural ideal, thinking that's what's going to make us feel like we're home. Mm -hmm. So what comes up for me in that, which is just, and I just love to hear your thoughts on this is, you know, I've done this with women before. And for some women, they're so caught up in that thin is best cultural ideal. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, like that as that as their goal actually becomes the barrier to ever finding any kind of peace or ease with food and movement. And so how do we untangle that? Because it's, I think it's, I think it's a beautiful idea to be like, find what your soul body looks like, but there aren't that many people who've been taught that it's okay if your soul body has a belly or, or is a size eight or is a size 
16, you know, and some women that I work with are like, that is the size that they are, you know, they have been larger their whole lives and this is the body that they're in, you know? Totally. So I would encourage everyone to do that visualization. The thing that I've noticed, and that's, this is a really fun place to start is literally I've done this visualization with hundreds of women and they, no one was like, oh, I had like the perfect nose and Botox and a boob job on the Island. So that's like a, that's like a really important first layer to notice our pattern of wanting to change our body to look good for other people. So I think that's one place to start. That's sort of like one layer beyond thinness. That's like a easier to work with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we can start to notice and untangle our own obsession. And I think the next piece is like, we have to leave the paradigm of our culture completely and come into a completely new paradigm of having a body that functions well. Because if we have a body that functions really great and gives us energy all day, we will not be upset about what we look like. We just won't because you feel so good. And we realize that that is the piece that we have been chasing this whole time. And another thing that I think is really helpful, and this is something I do with my clients a lot, is to really have them look at their their fears around, you know, or or even their hopes. Being thin means X, Y, Z. So right. it's like, so you tell me, what are some things you hear from your clients all the time? Like when I'm uh, thin, I will blah. Uh, well, I think healthy is always the first thing, right? I mean, right. You know, the first thing that they say. And then when we dig below that more socially acceptable message, it's like, I won't be judged. I will be sexy. Mm-hmm. I will be attractive to other people. Yeah. Um, I'll be happier. My life, sometimes, sometimes really funny stuff comes up, which I love when it's like, yeah. my kitchen will be clean. Right, right. <laughs> I'll be nicer so, to my husband. Okay, so this like... is great. This is great. So everyone should do that exercise yeah. because it's a really great way to see what we actually desire in our lives. So if someone came to me and said all those things, I would say, great, let's get healthy. Let's really think about foods that your body just digests well and gives you a lot of energy. Let's do a toxin panel and see what sort of toxins you have in your body. Let's, you know, work through the parasites or work through the mold or whatever it is and, and really get healthy. And you know what, like while you're getting healthy, let's do some sensuality practices. This is totally what healthy ish is. Totally. I know, which is great. You're like, perfect. Everyone's in perfect hands with you and clean your kitchen and all the things. And here's the thing, right. And go to therapy and learn why you're not talking, why you're not talking nicely to your husband. You know, like you can do that right now. None of us are going to be nicer when we're thin. No, no, no. no. But if we're nicer, we might be happier and our bodies will move towards our soul body. Mm -hmm. And I think that is 
so beautiful. Yeah. But we just have to like leave. It's such a difficult thing. Like even having this conversation, I feel like it's going to pull up a lot of stuff for people, but I think it's okay because I think that that's what the purpose of this is. And I think, again, it's about, we need to shake things up. I think we need to shake things up. I think we need to find this Mm -hmm. middle ground where different people are finding their way to their most functional, healthy Mm -hmm. body that allows them to feel that way. And we need to have different conversations in order to get there that challenge that divisive, like your you're a dieter or you're body positive and that those are the two options. Right. That is like, there are so many more options, people. There There are so so many more options. Yeah. And then the other thing I want to say is that, you know, being rigid is not sexy, you know, um, like I have, you know, I eat in a certain way that works for me now based on how my body functions. And like, it's like when I cook, it's so joyful and it's so juicy. And if I go out to dinner, I'm eating mostly whatever I want. And so to have the flexibility is so important. And I love that you're talking about this with your clients around like finding what works for you long-term. And so there's just so many ways to to just like poke holes. Well, flexibility is like one of my key with is one of my oh, key words in all of this totally. because not only not only do I want to same like not only do I want to be flexible enough to eat what feels really good when I'm at home but also when I go out tonight with a friend for a glass of wine like I want to yeah. I want to be able to do that but then also I think we need to be flexible because what I need to eat in the winter sometimes differs from what I need to eat in the summer, right? Totally. And yeah. that belief of like I'm going to have only a green smoothie <laughs> every morning for the rest of my life like it doesn't work. It just makes you bananas. Totally. It totally makes you bananas. And then the other thing that's coming up for me right now is like, where are we looking to food to be our rebellious place or our place where it's the only place where we allow flexibility or it's the only place that we allow pleasure. Uh And that is so important. And that's why I love bringing in the sacred to this conversation, because for a lot of people, like their ice cream is their God. And it's the thing that brings them relief at the end of the day. And it's the thing that brings them pleasure. And it's their, you know, or like wine is their off switch for motherhood. Mm-hmm. And so we have to really look at how can you replace some of these foods that are maybe an everyday emotional crutch with a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Talk more about that. Like, what does that look like in your life right now? Yeah. So I used to be a big drinker. Mm-hmm. Like I would drink two to three glasses of wine every night. And I had to really look at that because, you know, it was it was messing up my entire body and it was definitely emotional drinking. And I could definitely stop for a week and like, it was my everyday thing. So I had to really understand what is happening. Like when I put the glass of wine in my hand, what's going on in my body, what's going on in my heart, what's going on in my mind. And I realized for me, it was my off switch for motherhood. Where it's like, when I put the glass of wine in my hand, all of a sudden the day was over and I didn't have to be like a good mom anymore. And cause I was just like <clears throat> by five o'clock after being with the kids all afternoon and like doing the mornings with them, it was just like, I was, I was done. 
So I realized I needed two things. One, I needed to address the root cause that I was being completely exhausted by my children by 5 PM. And, and then also what's a different off switch I can have. So one thing I did was I, and I got more childcare so that I could sustain my joy with my kids longer. Right. And that was super important. And also had to look at how I was parenting and activities and, you know, all the things. And then I started an evening ritual for myself where I would go upstairs. I would change my clothes. I'd anoint myself with sacred oils. I would do a five minute meditation or just dance in my room and actually shift my energy into being like a lady of the night through, <laughs> through sacred practice instead of drinking a glass right. of wine. And so I did that and I would make these beautiful herbal elixirs for myself. So I, it was like a like crazy lab in my kitchen. I was like, okay, I have these herbs from outside and then I have these edible flowers and then I have these tinctures and I have seltzer and I have kombucha and I have these gorgeous glasses and it was a whole thing. And that was so helpful. And then there are some nights where I will do that and still have a gl- one glass of wine at seven, but the wine is just wine. It's not like my identity as a woman. Yeah. I I went through something really similar where I realized that for me, the wine was representing, um, like glamour or sexiness or like fun. And it was like, I wasn't, you know, it was when my kid, you know, it was probably a few years, couple of years ago now. And just like, I just wasn't traveling as much and I wasn't getting out. And it was like, this was my, I was cosmopolitan. Like, it feels so silly when I say it out loud. It's so true. but this is it, right? It's like, I wanted something exciting to happen. And I would, jo- yeah. I joked with my cousin. I'm like, I just wanted to feel like an adult, but in a different way. Yes. And so I got, I did something similar where I got all these beautiful champagne coops and, mm. and I just, I joke, I jokingly call it, you know, glassware or self-care, but like I have all <laughs> these beautiful glasses and, <laughs> so yeah. good. And, and I just put kombucha in them or, or shrubs or, yeah sparkling water, whatever, just something. And it, and it's that same vibe. I mean, I think that it sounds like you're doing something a little extra there, which seems kind of awesome. That sort of (laughs) total transformation, which I think is amazing though. Thanks. I mean, it's just what I, I go all in rituals. But it it, it did make a huge difference for me because I get the vibe. I get the feeling Mm -hmm. that I'm after without they're needing to be wine. And then like on the occasional Wednesday night, when I meet a friend, it's like, yeah, I have a glass of wine. No big yeah, deal. I love that. But it's not waking up with a little bit of a headache and fatigue every single day. Right. That's right. like, it's just not worth it. No. no. Yeah. And when we stop making our bodies only about the size, that's when we start noticing that we have a headache every day. Right. Like I didn't even notice. No, you're right. Because like when I went through weird paleo phases and it was like, no grains are allowed and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I wouldn't even drink that much. And then all of a sudden I'd start this paleo thing and I'd start dr- drinking every night because it was like, cause it was paleo. It was, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Cause it was like allowed on the plan, right. you know, and, and not that there's anything, you know, some people feel better with fewer grains, all of that's cool. But just that idea of like being on the plan to yes. manage my body and then doing all the things that the plan says is okay. Sometimes in weird excesses yeah. <laughs> and being yeah. like, been there. Yeah. 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 Um, what else can you say about sacred, like your, 
this idea of like a sacred approach to life that you feel like people mm-hmm. could really take home? Oh yeah. That's a great question. So I really feel like the number one thing that we can add to our life is more meaning. And when we add more meaning to our lives, all the pressure we feel around food and meeting a cultural ideal really does go away. So that can look very different for, for many people, but for me, the way I like to start to guide people towards more meaning is really asking ourselves, what are we here for? And what is the gift that I was born to give the world? And because I also found that when I was really lit up by what I was doing every day, I, I am not thinking about food at all. And so much of my overeating was because I wasn't being who I was in my day-to-day life. And so for me, the sacred guides us to understanding who we actually are and what we are here to do and what piece of the puzzle our soul came in with. That's going to make this whole world heal. And I find that there, you know, there are certain practices that I do in my daily life. The number one thing I do every day is I call it a sacred start, which is a morning ritual. We can share that. We can share the link. Oh, great. Yeah. So I have a really great sacred start guide. There are thousands of women all over the world who do a sacred start every morning and it's fun. Like, you know, I have this whole sort of choose your, like, it's like a menu of things you can do in the morning and it's anything from like dancing to journaling. We build these beautiful altars. Some women have a pleasure practice. It can be, you know, your sacred start can be like braiding your hair or have taking a bath in the morning, like whatever it is, that's going to fill you up and have you just like, remember your, your juiciness. And when we do that, when we have this time in the morning, and especially if we then just take a little bit of time to go into meditation, our soul can talk to us. So we can then ask our soul if we're trying to figure out like, what's, what's my soul's work? What am I here to do every day? We can go in and ask our soul to show us something. And our soul talks to us in these amazing metaphors And whether it's like symbols or animals or shapes or plants or just, you know, what we see. And then we can ask the universe in our walking life to send us signs. So if we're trying to figure out who we are, we can go into meditation in the morning and then we can say, Hey, will you send me signs? I'm really looking for people, for people, for plants, for animals, whatever it is to like, tell me what I'm here to do. And like, Maybe you see like five bears in one week, even maybe not like in the for wild. Me it, was lady, for me, it was ladybugs. To, ladybugs. It was like owls. So, so owls, I remember asking to see owls. I was like trying to make this big decision. And I was like, I feel like, I don't know why it just came to me. I'm like, I think owls is the thing. Right. right. And I was at my sister's up. She's like more in the country. And she was like, oh my God, there was this huge barred owl outside. You just missed it. But I was like, oh, what does that mean? I missed it. I missed it. But then it was so funny because it started showing up in the backgrounds on TV shows. And like you said, it doesn't, it's not necessarily always in the wild. It's yeah. like everywhere. It's, yeah. In decor on a wallpaper yeah. on a bumper sticker. I'm like, I've never seen an owl on a bumper sticker before, yeah. but no, there it was in front of me. 
Yeah. You know? See, I mean, and then last week it was ladybugs. It was like five, it was like ladybugs five times. I'm like, you know, the first time I thought, Oh, and indoors, like where are these ladybugs coming from? In, in so November? what did the ladybug mean to you? What was it pointing you towards? Um, well, I admit, I totally looked it up because I was like, I don't know what a ladybug symbolizes. And it was luck. And so for me, it was just like this little, it was sort of like this little sign of like, everything's good. You're going to be yeah. good. Luck's on your side. Like that was sort of the message I took from it. That's so good. Yeah. I, that. I think that's so great. And then, you know, and then I do, I do like sacred baths during the moons, which I really love. And and, you know, and then regularly I go into really deep ceremony yeah. and I really love doing that. And if anyone decides to come work with me, that's what I do in all of my work now is we always start everything with these like really robust, cool ceremonies. And, you know, and once we do that for a while, it's just like being in nature and seeing what comes up for you. But when we start to see the unseen language of the earth around us, it's so much more exciting than ice cream. And it's what I was looking for in food. I was literally, and in alcohol, because, you know, alcohol is spirits. It's literally (laughs) like God. I mean, it's not God, but that's what it's, you know, bringing us, we're being like tricked into thinking God is in the glass of wine. And so when I actually just went to the spirits, I got the feeling that I was looking for and it's been so special. Can you, can you share with us a little bit more about the deep, like what deep ceremony looks like? Yeah, totally. Like, I think that that sounds really exciting, but also maybe a little scary for some people listening. Like, what yeah. Is yeah. Ceremony? What is deep ceremony? <laughs> um, so in my lineage, in my priestess lineage, we hold a type of ceremony that we call temple and temple is about creating an energetic field that you can come into where you're almost forced to drop your personality and just feel your soul come online. Mm -hmm. And we do that through some really cool sort of sacred technologies, but what's, what it's like is you come into the temple and you'll be met by a priestess at a gate and the priestess just holds total presence for the person coming in. And if it's me, you know, I would look you in the eye and 80% of the women that come through the gate for the first time, they just start to cry because they've never been met with so much presence and love. And then I have a question that I ask that sets the tone for coming in. It's usually something they have to release in order for them to be fully present inside the temple. But when you walk into temple space, you're sort of like, what is happening here? Like some, what is going on? This is not a normal room anymore. Are we in space? Is this, are we time traveling? Like what's, you know, you, because you can't see anything with your eyes, but you can feel it. And so you come into this, into this space and oftentimes you just feel different and, you know, whoever is guiding the temple is really bringing people on a journey closer and closer to who they actually are. And I've really loved doing this in service to different areas of our life. So, um, I do, I do a temple program called the star, which is all about, really deepening into our soul's work. 
I have a program called Radiance, which is temple work that's devoted to our sacred bodies and how we take care of our bodies. Um, you know, Jonathan and I have a marriage program that we do together called Modern Marriage. And so it's so fun to bring this ancient ceremony into to help us with our modern issues. Mm-hmm. Because I just find that the women who sit in temple with me, they work through stuff really quickly right. because we're, we're, sh- we're actually shifting our bodies on a cellular level because we're using energy and it's just, it's powerful. Yeah. What do you, what are the biggest shifts that you think you see? Most often? Oh. Well, we just had a really big, um, once a year, it may end up being more, I do an in-person retreat at my home. And so we just had one in September and when the women walked onto the property and there was, we had 75 women there. It was so beautiful. And everything was outside. They were just like tight. And, um, you know, some women were very shy and then some women were like putting on a disguise in order to protect the part of them that was actually shy. And so you could just tell that there was just a level of, um, like rigidity and shut down or trying too hard nervousness, you know, like all the things. So after just, and we start with temple. So after just two hours in temple, all of a sudden the women, it was like, they just took off this heavy metal jacket, like removed their knight's armor. And they were just these bright open, just outgoing, easy, soft, radiant women, yeah, I love that. you know, and it, it was just so beautiful to see because it just melts away all the stuff we don't need. Mm-hmm. And I think in the personal development industry, there's this whole idea that we have to like grow or go somewhere or complete these certain steps in order to be the person we want to be out in time somewhere. But really what I've discovered is that it's just about removing all the stuff that's not us. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this, I find the same thing. I think it's about like, how can you get okay with who you are and like celebrate who you are and what you love and don't love and like what matches with the zeitgeist and what bumps up against it and is the opposite and how you fit and don't fit and all those things. Yeah, exactly. And ceremony just like burns all that away Yeah, so that we just feel who we are. And then all the women were like, wow, I'm freaking awesome. And that only took two hours (laughs) and we have a whole weekend together, you know, because like what now? (laughs) Right. Because then once we just realize who we actually are, choosing what we eat is so much easier because we're not choosing it from a wounded place Mm -hmm. or thinking about our, you know, the career that we want to step into or how to adjust the career that we have is so much more clear because our true self is making the decisions. Cause like if our not self is making all these plans to become our true self, our not self is not going to take the right steps. No, it's always operating from all that conditioning. It's operating from it. Like everyone's vested interest in what the right thing is. And yeah, agree. Exactly. So I just find it's a lot more efficient to just become who you are 
through ceremony work and then do, and then do the outside. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, okay. This is like a weird question. I don't know. I'll like try to ask it and then we'll I see love if I love weird questions. Okay. We'll see if I like land this plane, you know? <laughs> um, so I think a lot about our cyclical natures yeah. and how, um, you know, just that idea that, that what's right for us needs to be allowed to evolve. And it sounds like you have this like very robust spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, like for me, I always have to, like part of the work that I do with women is like, how do you just like let it all fall apart gracefully sometimes? And I'm wondering if it does fall apart for you or if that's part, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to ask, I guess, like, yeah. do you sometimes just be like, fuck sacred star? I can't. <laughs> Like, yeah. like I love sacred star, but also, you know, like I just can't, I can't today or like yeah. I can't this week or, or like, is there ever anything that needs to fall apart sometimes that you like, or then rebuild in a different way? Totally. Yes. What, what does that look like? Yeah. So, um, what's interesting is that my sacred start kind of fell apart and was reinstated so many times that I finally learned that I really love it and absolutely need it. And it's a non-negotiable. Right. So it's sort of like, I just go to bed by 1030 every night because that's what I do. I'm now at the point where like, I just do a sacred start every day because like, that's what I do. But for a while, for sure. And I realized it's because I didn't like it. Whatever I was doing was not fun enough to go to. Right. Like that idea that we have where it's like, I've got to get up at five 30 and then I have to meditate for this long. And then I have to drink this or whatever. And I've, and I've seen you sometimes post, like sometimes your sacred start is just like making a nice cup of coffee and drinking it quiet. Totally that. And that's what it is a lot of the time. And here's the thing that is enough. That is enough. And now I don't even have to make the coffee. Jonathan just brings it to me, which is so nice. So I'm just like in my chair, I have my altar, I drink my coffee, I put on some music and I just imagine my future great life. That's it. It's really so simple, but here's the thing, just sitting there in quiet with yourself, imagining how great your life is going to be. That is so powerful. Because I then go into my morning with the kids and I am a happy person and then they are happy. And then I go into my work during the day and I am psyched about my life and everything that I'm doing. Cause I've already had time to myself. I've had great coffee. I love my outfit. I'm excited for where I'm going. And then all of a sudden, like your life starts to become that thing that you've been thinking about every morning. And that's really powerful. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Um, a couple of questions that I always like to ask at the end, because I'm just being mindful of our time. Sarah has to get such as in parent teacher interviews. Um, something that is really deeply inspiring and motivating you at the moment when it comes to your overall well-being and taking care of yourself, like something that just feels so, you know, that thing where you're like kind of obsessed with it. Yes. I love that. Well, I am obsessed with doing coffee enemas. I know. I like them too, actually. I've never talked there. about it before, but oh, I Oh, great. Let's like talk about it. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. So I learned about this from the detox rejuvenation team that 
when you, so for anyone who doesn't know, a coffee enema is when you put 32 ounces of coffee in your butt, in your bum. Yeah. And then you, and then you hold it in your intestines, in your colon for five to 15 minutes. It's hard and it's hard. And you lie, you lie on the floor on your side and I do this. This is the thing that I pick up and drop. This is now my thing. I am. I, I love coffee enemas. I do them every day. And then all of a sudden I'm like, fuck that shit. I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Like I don't have 20 minutes lie on the ground. I've got people's lives to change. You know, I get it. Um, but again, I wasn't making it fun enough. So right. now it's like, I have a TV show that I watch. Yeah. That I love, you know, I make it, I have like my pillows and I have all the things. So anyways, what's so great about coffee enemas is that when you hold a coffee enema, whoop, oh, that was so weird. My- I still, I still have you. You're okay. Okay, great. Okay. Um, so when you hold a coffee enema for 15 minutes, your liver actually produces 17 times more glutathione than it normally does. That is crazy. So not only is it a manual clean out, but it actually has your body detox from whatever toxins you have in your system. And we are swimming in toxins. And so coffee enemas are definitely the easiest, most cost-effective thing anybody can do to detox ourselves from our environment. Right. Without having to do any kind of weird no supplements, even if you're not like, yeah, or supplements. Yeah. 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 I know I'm a, I'm a naturopath, right? So I learned about all these, all these like interesting things when I was yeah. in school and some things I'm like, no, but some things I really, I, I like an enema also. Yeah. And also what's so cool is that it triggers your parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. Like yeah. there's yeah. actually science behind you know, having warm liquid in your intestine and it's putting pressure on a certain thing that triggers your vagus nerve. It's like a, it's a whole vagal nerve. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole thing. And I just feel, I I sort of got back into it the past three days. I just like recommitted to moving my body every day just for 10 minutes. Doesn't have to be a big deal. I've done a coffee on them every day. I took a break from the wine. I'm like a totally different person after three days. And I really think it's the coffee. Enemas. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Anything that makes you like, I roll so hard when it comes to health and wellness. You're like, no, no, no. <laughs> I love it. Um, anything that makes me like, you're going to die of your eyes rolling so far. Back oh, so hard. <laughs> okay, let, me think. let me think about that one. I love that so much. Um, I mean, this is so bad, but I'm just going to say it. Um, it's when people say, I'm not allergic to gluten. I eat gluten all the time. And I'm like, well, (laughs) you're also telling me that you need to nap every day. So, you know, that's sort of like in the opposite direction, but I definitely am like, just go off of it for two months and see how you you feel. feel. Like everyone is tired. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing I don't know. I can't really think of anything. I just really feel like everybody's bodies are so different. Like, what do I know? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, uh, I actually really like that answer because I think that even the eye rolly of the eye rolliest is serving someone. Somewhere. Also, like I do so many things now that I like would have, would have eye rolled died. Yeah, sure. A year ago. Like yeah. for sure. I think that's fair. Like coffee enemas, eye roll. Like 
15 supplements in the morning that I can now take down with like one thing, like total eye roll, but you know, I'm doing it because you know what? I feel great. Right. Right. Yeah. Got it. Any, um, behaviors or practices or things that you do that like from the outside, and I'm talking like conventional health standards, somebody would be like, that is not healthy but you're like, this lights me up and makes me feel great. And I love it. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, probably the wine I still drink. Right. Right. You know, I, I really, I'm never going to not drink wine. It's just what I do. But now it's like twice a week, one or two glasses twice a week, which is real different than the way it used to be. Right. Um, but I think there are a lot of people that really believe that like people should never drink any alcohol. And like, that's maybe true. Like for some people, sure. Yeah. 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 It's just a practice that I have. I always bless my wine. You know, it's like, I do a whole thing. This is actually a really great thing for people to do. This is another, when you do drink wine, remember that wine actually symbolizes menstrual blood, which is like, that's where the whole, you know, Christian communion actually came from a priestess tradition of using wine as a representation of like the source of all life because menstrual blood is the source of all life because that's what the babies are nourished by when they are first implanted in our wombs so i always really think think about like thank you for this life thank you for this nourishment and um you know bless the great mother and that is also really keeps you from drinking like four glasses of wine you know, if you have because, to do a 10 minute ceremony before you, if you have to do a 10 minute ceremony, <laughs> just kidding. But yeah, but you and know, but it is true. And it I has to be conscious of it, but I think that there's something energetic about that as well. Ellen Satter talks about that a lot with food also, like, mm-hmm. um, when people are trying to like heal up their relationship with food and you're trying to figure mm-hmm. it out and, or you're in a situation that's not ideal. Like, she's just like, just bless the food. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's food. Like bless it. And it changes things versus always being in the fight with things or that weird kind of like slightly shameful state when you consume any of these things, right? Bless it all and make it all beautiful. Like that's one of the things I really learned from Janine Roth, which was just about putting everything on a plate. Yeah. And I also think that knowing your human design is really great. So it's I such love- a big, it's such a big oh my piece gosh. of this work. I, I found out I was a projector. It changed my whole world. Oh my God. Oh my God. Amazing. Whole life. Whole life. And I love the app, my human design It yeah. has my in front of it. And she talks about your primary sense. So my primary sense is outer vision. So what I see is the most important thing, which means that my food needs to look beautiful. And if if my food looks ugly, I don't actually get that I'm eating. And so like, if I'll be at a friend's house and there's like, you know, um, like takeout things going, I like get the nice plate, get the cloth napkin. I make myself a whole situation. And that makes a big difference. But like for my son, who's eight, his is touch. The boy cannot use a fork to save his life. He just wants to use his hands. He just wants to use his hands. But you know what? I'm just like, you got to let him use his hands because that's how he actually knows he's eating is by touching it. Mm. So interesting. I don't know what mine is actually, 
Oh, I know you got a lot about my human design, but I'll have to look that up. Yeah, go look. It's very cool. It also in this app tells you what's your ideal sort of situation for digesting, which mine is calm energy. So I don't. Yeah, eat, I, I think mine's more. around. I think and a big one with me that I did learn was rest. So my I, it's like a lot of solar plexus energy and a lot mm. of. Um, so it's interesting because I I discovered that. I was naturally taking long breaks from food. So just like not eating so late at night and then not eating so early in the morning. Yeah. And I was interestingly finding that the, the, the stomach stuff I was having would just go away and it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be specific foods or whatever it was rest. Right. And then I had this human design session and she's like, well, that makes sense. Cause you've got this like power center in your stomach yeah. and sometimes it just needs a break. And oh it's basically God. telling you, you need a break. I love that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So I was naturally finding all so it. different. I was naturally finding it. And if I'm honest, feeling a little embarrassed because it almost looked a little bit like intermittent fasting, which I thought, you know, I had all these like weird feelings about it, Um, except that I'm completely flexible with it. So it's just totally different. And also I naturally found this thing that I think actually matches with how my body works. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what all of this is about, you know? Exactly. Um, Any last sacredy things? Oh, let me think if anything comes through. (laughs) You know, I, I get the thing that I'm seeing right now is just a circle of women in front of me. And I think that's one of the things that's been such a big part of my sacred practice is actually doing it in community. Mm. So whether that's about like joining a program that has sacred ceremony as part of it, or getting your four girlfriends together at the next full moon, and maybe you have one that's around food. And just like sharing, um, what's been hard about food, what you want to call in around food, what's been hard around your body. How do you want to feel in your body? Do a potluck together where you ask everyone to bring like something that's just super high vibe and organic and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever sort of guidelines you want to have that, but that just feels like super juicy and amazing, like really make it make it sacred. You'll feel so filled up after doing something like that. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to tell us where people can find you and your work ah, and your, yeah. and the amazing communities that you run? Oh, thank you. Yeah. I would love to. So the a great place to start is with my sacred start guide. And when you sign up for that, you'll be in my mailing list. And then I'll tell you about all the programs that we have coming up. So right. probably the program that would be most exciting for all of you is my radiance program. And that is the path of the sacred body and sacred eating. And I teach it with Sinclair, who's this yeah. woman I've been talking about. And we, um, she brings everybody through a detox, um, protocol. And I bring everybody through like a spiritual detox protocol. We work through a lot of the resistance, all of that stuff. And I also, you know, keep an eye out for more in-person things, which is really fun. Yeah. That's really exciting. I'd love to come down at some point. I will. Oh my God, Jill. I would love to have you. Yeah. I'm in Kingston and it's, I could drive down there and I could get to Boston real fast. That's so awesome. I love that. And then the other program that I really, really love is the marriage program. I teach with my Jonathan. Yeah. Tell us about that. With your Jonathan. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. So what was happening, you know, I've been doing this work for 13 years. And there were so many divorces happening inside of my community. And all of a sudden I was like, I need to do something about this because what was happening was the women were growing and changing and creating these really beautiful lives and their partners were no longer a match for them. And the issue was that their partners were refusing 
to do any work on themselves or to do any work on their relationship because this is especially the case with men. It's really taboo to do inner work. And there's all of these belief systems around how marriages don't need to be worked on, that it should just be automatic. And this was absolutely something I struggled with, with Jonathan. And one of the main pieces of resistance that I had in myself was that I was worried about outgrowing Jonathan. And so that fear was holding me back from really becoming who I meant to be. And so I knew that once Jonathan and I worked through that, that we had to create a course about it. Um, and so what we've done is we've taken, we, we were really on this five-year journey of Jonathan realizing that him being happy and him doing his soul's work and him understanding his inner landscape and his trauma and his wounds and how he treats me and the kids was important. It's not so obvious to us, but it's like actually not that obvious to men. Uh And once he got that, everything changed. Like I didn't realize also so much of my emotional eating was living with an edgy man. Like we didn't even talk about that. You know, I like anytime he would get sort of uppity ice cream, like anytime he was a little edgy about something cookies, because of course I was soothing myself instead of standing up for having a calm household. And, you know, my nerve, I have a sensitive nervous system (laughs) and I really need to, most people who are emotional eaters have a really sensitive nervous system. And I needed my partner to protect my nervous system instead of be agitating it all the time. So our program, Modern Marriage, talks about how to create a really amazing marriage. And a big part of that is getting men on the path of doing inner work. And we also have same-sex couples in there, but I find that they're like way, way beyond. Well, because I think they're already shedding a lot of those traditional totally. roles yes. that keep people so stuck. Right. Yeah, and exactly. Not always, but I think there's that yeah. extra and shedding. We're that- really tending to the antiquated gender roles right. that happen, right. um, in, in, in this program. And right. I just, I love it so much. And we created it because we couldn't find anything yeah. on, on anywhere that was helpful. It was like a little bit here, a little bit here, but so much of it was taught by people who, were like divorced twice, who didn't have any kids at home, who like, weren't actually in a couple. And, you know, Jonathan and I, we've been together since we were 21. We have three kids. We've already lived like nine lives. So like, what do you do? How do you create? We're, like, we're in the same We're I'm, yeah. I, we got together. I was 21 and we're, it's our 16 year anniversary next yeah, week, Amazing, but it's, it. it's like 10 lives. Yeah. That we've lived yeah. together. Yeah, totally. And like, we're totally different. And like, what do you do with that? No one teaches us how to grow with our partner. And especially when one person, usually the woman really changes. Yeah. So I just, I love that program. And I've seen the women just do, I mean, I've seen the couples do amazing work. And then Jonathan also now has a coaching program for men that he does. And he's a urologist. So he brings in a lot of the men's health, penis stuff, erectile dysfunction, body confidence, like yeah. really cool what he's doing. So neat. Okay. So I'll link to you, I'll link up to your sacred start. I'll link up to your Instagram and then people can like find all these programs. Yeah, it's like, you just got to look around, you know, but I mean, the sacred is like the common thread and all oh, of yeah. it. That's all the of common it. thread. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sarah, thank you. 
Thank you, Jill, for having me. This was so great. Yeah. Thanks so much. Just quickly before we get to the episode, I want to say that my DMs have been blowing up and I'm getting the distinct feeling that we are panicking as the holidays get closer. There is the realization that we're about to move into a season of parties and buffet tables and late nights and being overextended and not knowing what to wear and situations that we just can't control and a real worry that any work we've done, any intentions that we've had to feel good in our body and to care for our body might fall apart or any hopes that we have for 2023 might get completely derailed before we even get there. And so what I've done is put together a little sampler of one of the healthiest offers that's gonna be available in the new year. And it's, I'm calling it the healthiest Black Friday sale because I'm gonna have it for sale starting on, on American Thanksgiving, November 24th. And it will be available right through to the 22nd. Only eight spots are available. And you are gonna have the opportunity to sample what it feels like to have me as a naturopathic doctor with you know intense experience in the health at every size, intuitive eating world, mush all of these things together into a completely customized and beautiful plan for you for the holidays. So it won't be for the whole year. It won't be a whole look at your whole life. But what I want you to do is go into the season with a plan and not the kind of plan where you're not allowed to eat the Christmas cookies or you're not allowed to have any fun or you're not allowed to stay out late. You know me, that's the opposite of how I work and what I do. It is gonna be a beautiful plan that considers what you most love and value, what you want to experience, how you want to feel in your body and about your body, what you want to wear. It's going to consider your human design and the things that you might need that you don't even know you need in order to feel your best. It'll involve a juicy intake where you fill in and tell me all about you so I'm fully prepared to get together with you for a 45-minute session. And then what you're going to get afterward is a breakdown of your plan for the year, including a full audio note about how to execute the plan and how to stick with it. So it's this gorgeous sampler to help you move into the holiday season and quite frankly, all the way into 2023, feeling amazing in and about your body. Again, there are only eight spots available and you can only book these sampler spots between November 24th and December 22nd. If you're interested, you can find the link for this offer in the show notes, and you can also find it at www.foodfreedombodylove.com forward slash healthy-ish Black Friday sale. That's all one word, lowercase. Ah, I really hope to get to work with you on this. It's gonna be incredible. All right, back to the show. All right. That's it for, for me today. Uh, again, come on over to see me on Instagram at food, freedom, body, love, and tell me what landed for you in this. What did it bring up for you? I'm so interested, particularly around the pattern that you're in when it comes to caring for your body. Are you tuned into that? 
Have you been too hyper fixated on taking care of your body? Or have you been in, in a little bit of unconsciousness or neglectfulness of your body? Specifically, if you've been in the process of just trying to make peace with your body, there was an incredible visualization in there. Were you able to see your soul body or was it too tangled up with conventional cultural body ideals? I want to know. I want to know what you, what came of that for you. What comes up when you think about caring for yourself and putting intention in and you know, even at the end, that whole bit about, you know, what makes us roll our eyes and the fact that what makes Sarah roll her eyes is like, you know, different from what makes me roll my eyes and all the things that we've engaged in in between. Like, I'm just, I'm just so interested to hear what came up for you in that conversation, what you learned, what you're going to lean into, quite frankly, what you're going to reject. Like, what are the pieces that aren't quite right for you? It's not right you know this idea of detoxes and parasite cleanses for some people it's gonna like illuminate this light bulb of what has been going on with their body and their health if they've been exhausted and depleted and digestion's been off and they're run down it might ignite something in them and for someone else it might be like I can't do that I just can't engage with that that's not correct for me and that's okay healthy-ish is about figuring out what's right for you and inviting it in and letting the rest of it just lie and letting it be okay for others, um, even if it's not right for you. So all of that, tell me what you think. And then I want you to also share the episode with three friends and tell me about it. So I want you to come to Instagram, tell me what you thought about the episode and also share it with three friends that you think would really benefit from inviting a little sacred into their health and body and food practices. Have an amazing day and I'll be back here soon.